I mentioned, you know, last Sunday we had to pre-record the service on Saturday night, and then we played it for you guys on, on YouTube because of the snow that was coming on Sunday. And I said, I'm hoping that you're sitting at home watching the snowfall, and it's a cozy day, and, you know, after the service is over on YouTube, you're going to find some great movie just to sit and relax and watch the snowfall with your family. And it did, and we had really a lot of snow in the evening, especially. It was really pretty to watch fall. It was pretty until 2 a.m. when my power went out and I woke up and you could see my breath in my bedroom. I'm like, uh-oh, something's wrong. Um, but, but I said about the movie, I said, if you're going to watch a movie Sunday afternoon, make sure it's a holy movie. Make sure it's a movie that Jesus would want to watch on the, ca- the couch with you. And you're like, ha, ha, ha. No, I ain't playing because <laughs> our God is holy. It's literally a part of his character and his nature that God is holy. Holiness is talked about in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You know, you, you can just open your Bible to any page and it's going to talk about the holiness of our God. And I, I think the problem is because I will often encourage you or poke at you and I'll say, listen, you know, don't sleep with somebody you're not married to. Don't get drunk. Don't get high. Don't lie. Don't flip somebody off on 183, Josie. Like sometimes you guys... I don't want you to think that I'm giving you a list of rules because holiness is not a list of rules. Holiness is not do this, don't do that, don't do this, do that. Holiness is that we create our life to become a tabernacle where we host the presence of God. Holiness is is, is wherever God is because our God is holy. So we want to be like Moses and create a tabernacle. If you guys don't know what the tabernacle was... So the Jewish people, when they were set free from their slavery in Egypt, they went off into the desert and God said, man, I want to hang out with you people. I want to be in the middle of your world. So he told Mo to build a tent, a big tent, like a church that was mobile. They could set it up, tear it down, and it would be right in the middle of the people of Israel. And God said, if you build it, I'm going to put my presence in the middle of it. And then fast forward 500 years, King Solomon built in Jerusalem a temple, like a, a permanent tabernacle for the presence of God to dwell. So it was this mobile worship center. And let me give you the instructions, or just briefly, because it's you know six chapters long, a few verses about how Moses was supposed to build this tabernacle. Exodus chapter 25 and verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings, accept contributions whose hearts are moved to offer them. Now just leave that verse up for a second. You're like, I thought, I thought we were talking about tabernacle. I thought we were talking about holiness. Listen, for the Lord, this was a test of the people's hearts, not that they have to give, but if their hearts have been moved to give. Part of creating a tabernacle of holiness is that we have a heart to give sacrificially. Verse three, here's a list of things that you can give, gold, silver, and bronze. And just by the way, in 2021, if you still want to give gold and silver to the church in the offering bucket, you allowed, that's fine. We, we don't mind. Um, verse four, you can give purple, blue, and scarlet thread. I, I don't know what we're going to do if you go up to Joanne's Fabrics and just put little bundles of thread in the offering bucket. Um, or please don't put goat hair in there. Like for the people of Israel, they were trying to build a big tent. I don't know what Lene is going to do if she goes to the bank tomorrow morning with a bucket of goat hair. Like, can you put this in my checking account, please? <laughs> it would be nice to try to pay the mortgage with that today. <laughs> can y'all take this goat hair, please? The people of Israel, verse 5, said they could bring tanned ram skins, fine goat skin leather, acacia wood, olive oil for the lamps, spices for the anointing oil and the fragrant incense, onyx stones and other fine gemstones to be set in the ephod of the priest's chest piece. Now look at verse 8. I want to focus on this today. Have the people of uncommon church, Israel, have the people of Israel build a holy 
sanctuary. Why? So that I can live among them. That's what I want to talk about today is building our lives to be a holy sanctuary for God's presence. Verse 9, and this is also important, you must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern that I will show you. So I don't know if you noticed, but there were three steps in there. Number one is that the people of God will give sacrificially, from, motivated from their hearts. Number two, that we would build a holy tabernacle, but that we would do it exactly to the details and the pattern that God is giving us. And number three, then the Lord would dwell among his people. This is holy living. It's not a set of rules. It's not a set of regulations. It's not do this, don't do that. It's simply giving generously, obeying God's rules, and then hosting his presence. This is holiness. So it starts with sacrificial giving. And I'm not gonna spend too much time here because I think it was just three weeks ago we did a whole hour in the morning on, on giving you know, financially. But it's, it's, the key was for those whose hearts are moved to do so. It starts with our hearts wanting to be generous and that we don't give to the Lord out of compulsion. We don't give because we have to. We give because it's an invitation. We give because we desire to be generous. I, I told on myself a few weeks ago in that message on giving that for you know the first 20 years of our marriage, Josie and I were very faithful in tithing. We would take the first 10% of our income and we would give it to the Lord. And it was about four, five years ago, I was um, talking to the Lord and I was like, I'm so glad that we're generous. And the Lord was like, you're not generous. Generosity starts at 11%. God was like, dude, you're just not robbing me but you're not generous. You're just doing the bare minimum. And I was like, oh, snap. So a few years ago, Josie and I, because of a willingness in our hearts, we kept pushing ourselves to give more and more and more because we wanted to. It wasn't because we had to. We wanted to be generous in our giving. So that was the first step for the people of Israel was to bring sacrificially all these gifts to the Lord so that they could build this tabernacle for the presence of God. The second step was then to... Follow the detailed plan. I'm not going to go into it because it, it, it would take too long and it's extremely boring. But for the next six chapters in Exodus, God gives the detailed blueprint plan on how to build the tabernacle. And people will be like, that doesn't matter in 2021. I'm telling you, it matters very much to God. Because if holiness mattered to God and the details and the plans mattered to God 3,000 years ago and, and holiness mattered 2,500 years ago and holiness mattered to Jesus 2,000 years ago, I'm telling you, holiness still matters to God today because he wants us to pay careful attention to building a tabernacle out of our lives. And if we will, he says, I will come and I'll dwell among my people. We read that in verse eight. I want to go back to it. He said, have the people of Uncommon Church build their lives into a holy sanctuary. Why? So that I can live among them. That word to live among them, that phrase, that's actually one Hebrew word. And he's saying, I want to come abide in you. I want to come and I want to settle down. I want to reside in your life, the center of your life. Think of you, you buy a new home, you, you lease an apartment, and you open that door for the first time, and you move your stuff in, and you reside there. God is saying, I want you to build your life to become a tabernacle because I want to reside in the middle of your life. I, I, I don't want to be one more thing that you add on to your life. I don't want to be one little thing that orbits around your life. I want to be the center of your life. And then John, when he was describing Jesus, in John chapter one, he said he's the word who became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. 
I'm telling you, God cares about the specifics, not the specifics of the building necessarily of a, of a tabernacle, but the building of our lives. And some people will say, well, listen, if you're gonna talk about holiness, that's just where people get into legalism. Listen, I don't think it's necessarily legalism. I think it's just being very careful that we would live holy and that we'd be very careful to live according to the plan that God has for our lives, that we would be very careful to, to obey the commands that God has given us to live holy. Why? So that he could dwell within us. So again, I won't read it, but Exodus 25, 26, 27, 28, 20, all the way up to 31 is this long list of technical drawings on how to build the tabernacle and all of the furnishings that were going to go into the tabernacle. And you might say, well, why were all these strict rules? Why did God make sure that Moses and the people of Israel would, would obey all of these plans? He said, because I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell in you. You're going to have to build this holy place because the holy God is going to live in it. Holiness matters to God. And I think today, and I'm going to use this expression sort of tongue-in-cheek, I think today too many American Christians, we're only half saved. We have come to the cross. We didn't get on the cross. We still want to live our old lifestyle, and we still want to sin the way we used to sin. We just want to come to church and feel good about ourselves on Sunday morning. But what Paul told the church in Galatia is he said, my old self has been crucified together with Christ. It's no longer I who live, it's Christ actually living on the inside of me. There is no shortcut to holiness. For Jesus and for us, the only way to holiness is through the cross, not around it. So we have to be willing to die to the things that we like to do in sin so that we can have Christ living on the inside of us. Holiness matters to God. And it's not a shame-based thing. It's not a manipulation or a control thing. It's an invitation to obey God in the little areas of our life that we would stop sinning and live holy, that we would try to obey all of God's commands. And he's saying, if you'll do that, I will come with my presence. And I wanna show you, Moses did his very best to obey all of the commands of the Lord. And he built the tabernacle and all of the furnishings from all of the gifts that were given generously by the people of Israel. And he dedicated that tabernacle, that tent, to the presence of God and God's presence did exactly what he said he would do. In Exodus chapter 40, he said, the cloud covered the tabernacle. The glory of the Lord filled that tabernacle. Moses couldn't even enter the tabernacle because the cloud settled over it. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. All that sacrificial gold and silver, all that fine linen, all that goat hair, all that leather, this is why they gave, is so that God's presence would come and be at the very center of their lives. And But the, the key was, that Moses was careful to obey all of the commands given to him by the Lord. I didn't read it, but I think it's 16 times in um, Exodus 39 and 40, God was re-describing re the different things that Moses did and the phrase, Moses obeyed the command of the Lord. Moses obeyed the command of the Lord. Moses obeyed the command of the Lord. Then the presence of God came. I'm telling you, how we pay careful attention to the details of living holiness in our life matters to God because for what he did for Moses, he'll do for you. He did it for King Solomon. When King Solomon built the permanent temple in Jerusalem 500 years later, the same thing happened. In 1 Kings chapter eight, the priests came out of the holy place in the temple and a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue Continue their service because of the cloud of God's glorious presence. It filled the temple of the Lord. Generosity, obedience, holiness, these are attractive to the presence of God. Why? Because God wants to dwell among his people. He wants to abide. He wants to reside in the middle of your life. 
And the tabernacle was the template. It was the forerunner. It was the shadow. It was the blueprint of the permanent temple that would be built in Jerusalem. It was the demonstration of how God would fill a place on the earth. And then the temple, God did the same thing. But then the funny thing is in the New Testament, the Bible says that the temple is actually a shadow, a forefoot, a a blueprint of how God would fill our lives. First Corinthians chapter six, Paul said, don't you realize uncommon church, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. He was given to you by God. In fact, you don't even belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. The tabernacle, the temple, and your body. It took these various steps, but God's desire was never to fill a building. God's desire was to fill his people. Which is why this building is just an old strip mall from the 80s that we get to worship in. This building is just sheetrock and steel and carpet. Like, this building is just a building. We are the church. We are the carriers of the presence of God. I want to point something out, though. He said, you don't even belong to yourself. God bought you with the high price of his son, Jesus. So he can do with you whatever he wants to do. Let me put it this way. I own my own home. So I can do, I mean, the bank owns most of my home, but I, I, in my home, I can do whatever I want to do. I, I, I can screw the furniture to the ceiling. I can put carpet in the shower. I can, I can paint you know, the, the, the walls, whatever kind of crazy colors. I can paint the inside. I can't paint the outside because of my socialist uh, homeowners association that would come and if, I don't know what they would do to me if I actually did something bananas, but shame on you. But whatever's legal, I can do in my home because I own it. And God's saying, listen, you surrendered your life to me. You made me the Lord of your home, of your life. I can, re- I can rearrange your life any way I want to because your life is not your own. I paid for it. So if he's calling you to live holy, if he's calling you to do certain things, then you just need to surrender to him. That's, that's not just going to the cross. That's getting on the cross and surrendering yourself to the Lord, humbling yourself before God. We talked about that last week. The tabernacle was where God lived on the earth. The temple was where God's presence was on the earth. Your life is where God's presence dwells on the earth. And our God is holy. His house should be holy too. You can't expect to allow sin and garbage and filth from the world in your life and then expect God's power and presence to be manifest. He will not dwell in an unholy home. He said, build me a holy tabernacle. We have to live different. We have to live separate. We have to do our best to live sinless or die trying. Paul told this to the church in Corinth. He said, don't team up with unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's holy temple and a temple for idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God. They will be my people. Therefore, come out from among the unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch the filthy things and I will welcome you. Leave that verse up for a second. Don't touch the filthy things. The word filthy there that Paul used in the Greek was pretty vulgar. He's, it was kind of like crap, like don't touch the crappy things. He was using a very vulgar term, like filthy, manure, stinky, poo things. And if you will stop touching those things, 
I will welcome you. Don't you want to be welcomed by the Lord? Verse 18, I will be your father. Now, this is important. I am your father, God said. You are my sons and daughters. He is the king of kings. We have been adopted into his family. Therefore, we should act like royalty. Stop acting like orphans. Stop touching those filthy things of the world. You want to smell like a rose spiritually? Stop touching the world's crap. In fact, it's a lot easier to keep away from the filth of the world than it is to try to wash it off every Sunday morning. So just live separate. Now, let me give a little bit of a timeout because Bible scholars were like, well, listen, Pastor Brad, in the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the church in Corinth had a pay. Listen, there were pagan temples and there were a few Jesus-worshiping homes. So the problem is people were getting born again. They were putting their faith in Jesus and they were going to worship the Lord probably on a Saturday because most of the churches in those days were led by Jews, right? So they would worship the Lord on a Saturday, even if they were Gentiles. They would worship the Lord on a Saturday, but then they would go to their pagan temple Monday through Friday. And Paul was saying, you can't have one foot in the church world and one foot in the pagan world. You, you have to make a clear distinction between those that are godly and those that are ungodly. Now, let me give a second timeout on top of my timeout. To be clear, Paul was not telling the church, you have to be so separate that you can't be friends with unbelievers. He's saying, don't be in partnership with unbelievers. Don't, and the term that he used in Greek, don't be teamed up with unbelievers, it gives the, it's the same connotation as two oxen or two big draft horses that would be yoked together and they're pulling the same thing. He's like, don't marry somebody who's an unbeliever. Don't start a business with somebody who's an unbeliever. Your best friend should not be an unbeliever because you should have a covenant, a partnership with people on, on, on earth that are gonna help you know God better. They're gonna create your life to become a place of holiness. But he was not saying don't be friends with sinners. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Our goal in, in our relationships with those that are not yet believers is to win them to Christ. And we do that by demonstrating a holy life. We do that by demonstrating a life that is separate from the world. Paul was saying come out from among the unbelievers. Live differently, live holy. Don't be entertained by the things of this world. Don't touch the filth of this world. Sinners sin. Holy people live holy. Live a life of holiness. Create a holy tabernacle for the presence of God. Look like one of God's kids, not like one of the devil's. And if we would stop touching the filthy things of this world, he's saying, I will welcome you into my presence. See, holiness is the key to unlocking the presence of God. Holiness is not a list of what you can do and can't do. Holiness is not, you better not do this, shame, shame on you. No, holiness is a result of being with the holy God. Holiness transforms us by spending more time with the holy one. Holiness does not mean that we don't sin. Sometimes we're gonna sin. Holiness means we immediately go, God, forgive me. I'm so sorry. I, I thought that. I, I said that. I did that thing. Wash me and cleanse me. Re renew a right spirit within me. Renew a holy spirit within me. Holy means that we're set apart. Holy means that we're different, that we're not like the world, that we don't watch the same things that the world. We're not entertained by the same books and the same websites and the same videos. Our lives are holy. They're set apart. They're different. When you spend time in the presence of a holy God, you don't want to sin. Like, I don't know if you guys could tell what was happening in worship this morning. That is not the worship songs that the team rehearsed. They just got into it and like the Holy Spirit was like, let's go right. And that's left. Let's go left. <laughs> <I'm>, 
Let's change direction. So that's why like the words were popping up like, because they were like, what song is this? And they just kept clicking through different songs. They grabbed it by the middle of that song, did a good job. Because you were just making it up as we go. Like when you spend time in the presence of a holy God, maybe you're doing a really heavy, slow worship song. You're down here on your knees. Like you're not down here going, man, I'd love to go get high right now. Like nobody, when they're crying out to God in worship, is like, I wish I could look at porn right now. Like when you spend time in the presence of a holy God, it transforms you to make you more holy. It puts a hunger. Like if you've ever eaten an amazing, amazing meal, you always want to go back. You're always, is it my birthday yet? Can I go back? Is it your birthday? We'll go back. It's somebody's birthday. Let's go back. Once you've tasted of the Lord's presence, it, makes, it puts a desire in your belly that you want more, which then creates a desire to give generously. It creates a desire to live holy. So generous giving, careful attention to the details of obeying the commands of God to create a holy tabernacle, and then the presence of God will fill your life. First Peter said, live like obedient children of God. Don't slide back into your old ways of living that satisfy your desires. You didn't know any better back then, but now you must be holy in everything you do. Now you must be holy in everything you do. Every TV show you watch, every website you look at, every story you listen to at the water cooler, you must be holy in everything you do. Why? Because the God that chose you is holy. And the scriptures say that we should be holy because he is holy. He's saying, be holy like God or die trying. And you're like, yeah, but Exodus 25, 26, 27, 28, it's all these chapters of these long, boring details of how to build a tabernacle. Yeah, but he said, be careful to obey all of the commands. Every measurement, every stitch, be very, very careful to obey these commands. Living holy is sometimes kind of boring, but the reward is amazing because it's the presence of Jesus. Doing life the world's way is actually sometimes fun. Sin is fun. Getting high is amazing. Sleeping with somebody you're not married to is fun. Flipping somebody off on 183 and cussing them out as they cut you off uh, is fun, right, Josie? All the time with this one. It's embarrassing. I can't take her anywhere. Sin is fun. But if you learn to cultivate a lifestyle of holiness, what's fun to you will change. And worship is fun. Wednesday night prayer is fun. The presence of God is fun. Reading your Bible is fun. Living holy is fun. You just have to learn to cultivate that lifestyle and that relationship. Living holy will make you happy. But I will warn you this. We were not called to be happy. We're called to be holy. And sometimes the church puts too much emphasis on happiness and not holiness. If we will build our lives to be a holy tabernacle, God said, I will come and I'll fill this place. I've given you the pattern. I've given you the blueprint. It's gonna be tedious work, but I I will reward you for it. And you know what, church? Jesus is our reward. And he's all the reward we need. It's just Jesus. We just need to keep our, our eyes fixed on Jesus. We need to keep our eyes, you know, you will become something that you look at a lot. If you're really into uh, NASCAR and you watch hundreds of hours of NASCAR, you will become a big NASCAR fan. If if you're really into, well, every summer, every four years, we have to pretend we care about the Olympics. But, you know, like if you're really in, you know, to, to, to figure skating and you focus on it, you'll become more like it. Whatever you focus on, we become like. 
So that's why we're supposed to focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who will make us holy and will transform the way we think. Uh, Paul put it to the church in Philippi like this. He said, all right, Uncommon Church, I'm going to break it down for you. One final thing. Fix your thoughts on whatever is true. Fix your thoughts on whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I'm telling you right now, the vast majority of what's on Netflix is not worthy of praise. It is not lovely. It is not pure in the eyes of God. I know you love that new Bridgerton, kind of a retake of a modern telling of Jane Austen, but all of the immorality, the adultery, and the nudity does not please the Lord Jesus. He would not sit on the couch next to you. He's calling you to stop lowering the bar of holiness, but to raise the bar of holiness. It's not how much can I get away with, it's how holy can I live. Not because I have to, but because I want to. We need to be very careful what we see with our eyes, what we touch with what our hands. Is what you touch with your hands honorable, righteous, pure, lovely? Lifting that joint to your mouth with that hand is not an honorable and lovely and pure thing to do. Would Jesus want to do that with you? Holiness and purity is this invitation that God's giving us. And I want to, I need to address something of the church of the, the 90s and the church of the 2000s. See, back then, we had such a desire to live holy that we made it legalistic. And we made it very rules-based and very shame-based. And if you're under 40, thank God you, you hopefully weren't exposed to a church like this. But those of us old people, we were raised in a church in the 90s and 2000s that was very shame-based, very legalistic. You had better do this. You had better not do that. You can listen to this music. You cannot listen to that music. You can listen to Carmen and Petra. And if your youth pastor doesn't hear, you can also listen to Striper. But that is it. Because if you listen to secular music, you will go straight to hell. That's, that's, the, that's the church that we grew up in. But just, just 20, 30 years ago. Listen, there's no legalism in living holy. Instead, it's love. I love Jesus so much. I don't want to do anything to cause his presence to not be in my life. I, not that I have to. I want to live holy because I just want to be more like Jesus. And Jesus was sinless. See, Jesus lived on this earth and he was tempted to sin in every way that you and I are tempted. But in every time Jesus was tempted to sin, he said, no, fam, I choose holiness. Every time you're tempted to sin, there is always a way of escape. There is always a way to say, no, not for me. I choose to live holy. Not because I have to, but because I want to. Because I want to honor God. I don't have to live holy. I get to live holy. It's not like, man, I went to that church or I was watching on YouTube and it was that you know, pretentious preacher in that pink hoodie trying to cover the fact that he's gained 15 pounds since Thanksgiving and he's up there just talking about holiness and now I can't get drunk and I can't look at porn and I can't lose my temper and I can't lie and I, no, it's no, 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 no. You can if you want to, but what I'm worried about is your heart, not your behavior. I want your heart to be so desperately in love with Jesus. You're like, man, I, I would never want to talk about those jokes, laugh at those things, look at those things. I, I, I want to host the presence of Jesus in my home. I want to host the presence of Jesus in my car. I want to host the presence of Jesus. So I've, I don't want to sin in that way. I don't want to do anything to offend the Lord. I want to build my life to be a holy tabernacle for his presence. 
Well, but sometimes we sin. Yeah, sometimes we sin. King David sinned. We always talk about King David when we talk about holiness. King David was the king of Israel a couple thousand years ago. But he committed adultery and then he committed murder. And then he said, Lord, search my heart and point out any wicked way in my life. There was a lot of wicked ways in King David's heart. But we need to pray the same thing. Lord, point out any wicked way in my heart. Any, any wicked thought pattern, any wicked desires, any wicked fears, any wicked anxieties, any wicked lusts, any wicked greed, any wicked anger. Any, God, point out any wickedness in my life. And then repent. See, David repented of his sin. He turned from his sin. He turned back to God. See, repentance is a key that we turn away from sin and we turn to God. We surrender our life to the Lord. We pursue God's presence. That's what David did. He actually set up a tabernacle in his backyard. See, this was before his son Solomon would build the temple. So he wanted the presence of God so much as king of Israel. He's like, well, just put the church in my house. And he would go in and he would fall on his face before God. He'd cry out and worship. He'd write worship songs. He'd sing worship songs. See, yeah, we're sometimes going to sin. But the key is that we stop sinning, that we repent and ask God to forgive us. Do you know what happens when we sin? And David talks about this too. He said we lose the joy of our salvation. Nothing worse than a Christian who's trying to con conceal and cover sin. Because they just, they have no joy in their salvation. The people that walk in freedom, the people that walk in joy, the people that walk without a care in the world in the, in the body of Christ are those that have repented of sin and are continually repenting of sin and, 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 and working out their salvation in fear and trembling and becoming more and more holy before God. So if you've lacked the joy in your salvation, ask the Holy Spirit to point out any sin in your life. Repent of it today and you'll begin to feel that joy return, that joy of your salvation. Hop up on your feet. I want to pray for you. You have to come out from the world. You have to look different. You have to separate yourself. You have to remember that you are a child of the Most High God. You're a saint, not a sinner. You're a, a child of God, not an orphan. And it is unbecoming of royalty to sin. You're a child of the King. And it doesn't represent Jesus well. You know what you need to do? Represent Jesus. Represent Jesus everywhere you go. When people meet you or see you or you walk into the room, they should feel like Jesus has walked into the room. I'm encouraged. I'm full of faith. My eyes are pointed to the Father. I want to I live holy. And if there's any wicked way, we want the Lord to gouge that out of our lives. In fact, Jesus himself said, if you've never heard some of Jesus' teachings or you've only heard, you know, like with pop culture Jesus' teachings, Jesus was a savage. He's like, if you're struggling with sin in red letters in your Bible, we won't take the time to go there. But he's like, if, you're, if your eye is causing you to sin, gouge your eye out and throw it away. Jesus goes on. If your hand is causing you to sin, cut that hand off and throw it away. Better to go to heaven missing an eye or a hand than your whole body get thrown into hell. Savage Jesus. If you can't stop drinking, cut your hand off. If you can't stop looking at things you shouldn't look at, gouge your eyeball out. Now, before I, for those that don't know, Jesus was using hyperbole. Please do not physically mangle yourself. But I want you to mangle your heart before God. 
Jesus was using hyperbole. He's saying, if you're struggling with looking at pornography, why do you still own a computer and internet access? Why do you still have a smartphone? If you're struggling with alcoholism, why haven't you told anybody? If you're struggling in your marriage, you need to open the door and shine some light so that Godly men and women can help you. We've got to get radical in how we treat sin in our life and that our actions are going to follow. We've got to get extreme in our desire to be holy. So ask yourself, and when we go into worship and prayer in a minute, what is the Holy Spirit wanting to cut out of your life, cut off of your life, remove from your life? Ask the Holy Spirit to shine his light into any wicked way in your heart. Give a flashlight to a friend. And say, hey, is is there anything in my life, anything that I joke about, anything that I look at, anything that's in my life that you think doesn't please the Lord that I can pray about? And then you confess that sin to God. You repent of it. You ask him to forgive you. If you've sinned against somebody else, you ask them to forgive you. Don't just sweep that sin under the rug. Expose it. And God says, I'm not going to cover it. I'm going to remove it as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to call you a saint, not a sinner anymore. I'm going to make you holy. He makes us holy. He transforms us into holiness. Why? Because he loves us. He's crazy about us. Let's pray. Father, I I thank you that when we were sinners, you loved us. I thank you that when all we wanted to do was sin, you lived a sinless life. You lived holy, and then you allowed your body to be sacrificed for mine. I, I thank you, Jesus, that You're willing to forgive me of my sin. I thank you, Jesus, that you're willing me to be holy and to host your presence in my life, to host your presence in our worship services, to host the very presence of God in the mid-cities in this church. Lord, we surrender to you, and we ask that you would point out any wicked way in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, anything that we're entertained by, anything that we're involved with. Lord, if our hand is touching somebody that we're not married to sexually, that we would cut that hand off before you. If we're looking at things we shouldn't look at, that we would gouge our eyes out metaphorically before you. That we would get serious in our pursuit of the detailed plan of holiness for the tabernacle that you're creating out of our lives. That it's not legalism, it's love. We love you so much. We want to be more like you. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to pray that prayer to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you're watching online. Your heart's pounding out of your chest right now because you feel like the Lord is pointing out everything in your life. Well, today is your day of salvation. Today is your day to repent and ask God to forgive you and he will wash you and he'll cleanse you and he'll adopt you into his family. It might be the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like this. It might be the first time in a long time. Today is your day to get right with God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and that's you, you need to pray. You need to repent of sin. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. This might be the first time you've ever prayed this prayer or maybe the first time in a long time. I want to lead you in that prayer. I mean, it's your prayer to pray, but I will help you. I'll lead you in that prayer. If that's you here this morning, would you just shoot your hand up real high and just say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day of salvation. I want to get right with God today. I'm going to repent of my sin. Just shoot your hand up real high and say, preacher, pray for me. Today's my day to get right with God. Okay, I see one hand over there. Anybody else? Come on. Yeah, clap for joy. Anybody else? Good. 
What about you that's online? You thought you got away with it because I can't see you? Listen, you're not alone. God can see you. If that's you, just raise your hand up right there. Just say, I need to get right with God today. For the sake of those that are watching online and the one that raised their hand this morning, if you believe this prayer in your heart, won't you pray it out loud together with me? Say, dear Jesus, I repent of my sin. Please forgive me. Wash me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I surrender my life to you. Make my life a holy tabernacle that I can host your presence. Not because I have to, because I want to. I love you, Lord. Be the Lord of my heart. Savior of my soul. I receive the gift of eternal life and of adoption into your family. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for forgiving me, and for making me holy. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Amen, amen, amen. So proud of you. Golly. Yay, God. Yay, God. Listen, for the sake of the one and for the sake of those that are online right now, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in the seat back, even if you didn't raise your hand, you were just too chicken, but you, you meant it in your heart, in the seat back in front of you, I want you to fill out one of those long, uh, skinny, black connect cards. Put your name and your email, your phone number, and check that box that you got right with God today. If you're at home online, I want you to text the name Jesus to 817-405-2244. You're going to get an auto response form back. Fill that form out. Click submit because I want our church to begin to pray for you and I want to screw in a light bulb. If you're here this morning and you raise your hand, we want to screw in a light bulb on our Jesus wall and, and we want to, these are all people that gave their heart to Jesus in the last year and we just celebrate all that God did. So if you're at home, we want to put your name on a Jesus light bulb over there. And here's the deal though, if you, if you did surrender your life to Jesus for the first time or the first time in a long time, the next thing you should do is get baptized in water. So write that on your connect card, write that on that online form. We want to help you make a public declaration of your faith. The second thing would be to take our growth track and get connected to our church family. Growth track one will be the first Sunday in March in just a couple of weeks. Today we're doing growth track two and three. So join us for growth track one in two weeks and we want to get you plugged into our church family.